You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, wow, it has been exciting. What a year, what a year, and what a month. I love this, this core value. We're on the T, the T of the core value, the acrostic gospel light. The last letter in the, in the name gospel light is T. The last core value is thinking bigger and expecting more is our mindset. Now, how do, we, how do we get to that place where we can think bigger and expect more? Well, we can do it because we have a limitless God who is able. And that's been the emphasis of this month and will continue to be throughout next Sunday. That we can think bigger, that we can expect more. We talked about it using our theme verse two Sundays ago in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It's an explosive verse. Every time you read it or quote it, it just comes off the page. Where, Jesus, where God says, now to him who is able. He's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We have a God who is limitless who is able to do above and beyond. Last week, Don Schulteis, our very own, uh, preached a message from the book of Daniel, how that secondly, God is also able to deliver. We went to that fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Hebrew children where they faced the wrath of King Nebuchadnezzar for not bowing down. And here's what they said. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is, say it with me, church, able. He's able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Wow. As we think about our limitless God, as we think about the fact that he is able, able to do above and beyond, able to deliver us, able to do what we sang a moment ago. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's no mountain that he can't move. But what happens this morning? What happens when everything looks hopeless? Where's God then? Are, are these promises valid for when everything looks completely hopeless. In today's sermon, we're going to be considering a moment in the life of a man who had received a promise from God. And the promise that this man received from God seemed impossible to fulfill. It was one of those things that when he was told it, it would be the equivalent of you and I being told something. And here is our response in modern day. Really? Really? Are you joking? Are you kidding me? This is a joke, right? There's just no way this could happen. Question. What happens when someone gives you a promise? What happens when someone gives you some sort of gift or an act that they will perform? You hope and you look forward to it being fulfilled. But what do you do when the promise seems totally impossible to be fulfilled. What do you do when you're feeling hungry for hope in a situation that seems hopeless? Do you wait for your circumstances to just change? Well, what if they don't? 
What, what if the circumstances don't change? How do you find hope? What do you do when everything seems hopeless? I would imagine that inside this room, online, watching this, this service, in the first service, on the other campuses, in the midst of several hundred people gathering around Hot Springs today in places that are gathering for worship at Gospel Light, there are a number of people in this service, in this, in this church, who have something that seems hopeless in your life. Some situation, something in your career. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's something connected to your finances. Maybe it's just a dream that you have that seems hopeless. Well, I can't think of a better example of hoping in difficult circumstances than a man in Scripture by the name of Abraham. Abraham is somebody that all of us can relate to. He was the father of the Jewish nation. He is our forefather. He's the original Jew. Abraham is also the father of an Arab nation. He's the father of, of all the Arabs. That's, that's why the, the Muslims, like the Jews, love this man so much. All the feud in the Middle East is really just a family feud between cousins. Everything going on today in the Middle East, the war that's happening over there is not a shock. It's been going on for centuries. Arabs and Israelites are really related. They can both trace themselves back to Abraham. But yet he's also the father of Christians. He was the father of faith through Christ for all of us. So he's a very important figure in human history. He's known as the father of Jews. He's known as the father of Arabs. And he's known as the father of Christians. And so this morning, I want to draw your attention to five verses in the book of Romans. Just five. And we're going to read those five verses. We're going to break them down. We're going to pull some, some steps to give us hope out of those five verses. But there's also a record of this story in the book of Genesis. And what it takes five verses for the book of Romans to analyze and describe, it took 10 chapters for the book of Genesis. So there's a whole lot more, but I want to summarize it with Paul from the book of Romans this morning. Are you ready? God gave Abraham a great promise. He said to Abraham, you will be a father and you will have a son. God promised Abraham a son through whom many nations would come. But here is where the promise being fulfilled seemed impossible. He was 99 and his wife was 90. Anybody here today feeling good about having a kid at 99? Your chances. I mean, this was a problem. The chances of having a son at that age, well... Not good. At 99, it looked hopeless. What do we do when God speaks? Just one word. What do we do when God gives us a word? What do we do when God speaks a promise to us that sounds absolutely impossible? Well, this morning, I'm going to tell you what Abraham did. Paul is writing about this promise to Abraham in Romans chapter number 4. And here's what he says, beginning in verse 17. As it is written, 
I have made you, Abraham, the father of many nations. That's the promise. The promise is you will be a father. You will have a son. When God intends to do something, he talks about it as if it's already done. In the presence of the God in whom he believed. The one who gives life to the dead. He gives these incredible credentials to God. He gives life to the dead. He calls things into existence that do not exist. This is who we're talking about, Abraham. The one who's making this promise. He calls dead things to life. And when he breathes and he speaks, things exist. He believed. Hoping against hope. So that he became the father of many nations according to what had been spoken. So will your descendants be. There's the promise. He did not weaken in faith. When he considered his own body to be already dead since he was about a a hundred years old. Also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He, He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise. But he strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Because, here's why, because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also, say it with me church, able, he was able to do. When everything looked hopeless, Abraham believed that God was limitless. Oh, I've got to read it to you. The same passage, real quickly. Just bear with me and enjoy for a moment as the Message Bible paraphrases this. Same passage. We call Abraham father. Not because he got God's attention by living like a saint. But because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've already read in the scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became the father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life, and with the word make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples, Because God himself said, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and he came up strong. Ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. Why? Because he was fully convinced, Romans 4.21, that what God had promised, he was able to do. So our question this morning, how do we live that way? How do we live this way? That's the challenge. That's the question. If you walked into this building this morning with with some hopelessness, I want to deposit into you this morning four steps that Abraham clearly gives us in this text. How do we make this kind of choice? Where do you find the strength to make this kind of choice? 
It's so easy to be full of hope when everything looks good. When the halftime score is 49 to 0, you feel good about the second half. But what about when it's the opposite? What about when things don't look so good? This morning, you can be filled with hope when you don't have the energy to hope any longer. How can you be filled with hope when it feels like your life is caving in? How can you be filled with hope when you don't know how long you can last? What do you do when everything seems hopeless? I want to give you four steps that build our hope in this text. If we're going to if we're going to believe God and expect God to do more, then here's the steps to take. Number one, you've got to remember what God can do. We sang it a moment ago. It was part of the worship time. There's nothing that my God can do. Remember that. Remember that. Don't forget that. Sing that song this week. Don't forget. There's nothing that God can do. Remember that often. What do you do when life seems hopeless, first of all, you remember what God can do. Look at it in Romans chapter 4, verse number 17. As it is written, I made you the father of many nations. As we continue to break down these verses, he says, In the presence of the God in whom he believed. Abraham didn't believe in himself. He believed in God. He put his trust in God. He did not put his trust in himself. Hope is not a positive mental attitude. Hope is not psyching yourself up with wishful thinking. Hope is faith in God, not in ourselves. Abraham trusted in God who can do the impossible. And did you notice in the text that God speaks of two things or that Paul spoke of two things that only God can do? Did you see it? Look at it with me. Number one. He does it in, 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 first of all, God specializes in bringing life out of death. It says it in the text, one who gives life to the dead. He does that in one of three ways. First of all, he does it physically. Physically, God can raise life from the dead. He can give health as a restoration of life. He can give life to a dead career this morning. He can give life to a dead dream. He can give life this morning. He can raise to life something in your life that is dead. Secondly, he does it emotionally. A dead relationship that you have in your friendship cabinet can be restored. A marriage in this room can be resurrected this morning. This morning, he does it emotionally. He gives life to the dead spiritually. When God gives new life to a church or a group of people, what do we call it? Revival, that's what we call it. When God revives his church, I think about what God has done here on a multitude of occasions, at least five or six in the history of our church in 31 years. It hasn't been 31 years of this. It's been 31 years of, of, of peaks and valleys, of mountains and valleys, of times where, honestly, if we didn't see God move and send a revival, I'm not sure we'd be here this morning. 
I know that the church on Sunshine Road that was down to eight people called Antioch Baptist Church experienced a a revival in that small group of people that put their faith in God to revive their church. And today, nearly 100 people are meeting there on Sunshine Road every single week. God can restore and bring life to the dead physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But the second thing we see in the text is that God speaks things into being just one word romans 4 17 he said he calls things into existence that do not exist in other words he can bring something out of nothing (laughs) this is the god whom we're talking about this morning god sees us not as we are but as we could be when god looked at erica pacey when he was a little roman catholic altar boy And raised in a split family home in a poor area of New Orleans, Louisiana. When God saw Brett Capace, those two little boys being raised by a single parent mom. He didn't see us in, in that condition as losers. He saw us as pastors. He saw God raising up those two boys to be pastors of churches in Hot Springs and Las Vegas, Nevada. God doesn't see us where we are. God sees what we could be. At creation, God stepped out on the edge of nothing and called everything into existence. Think of creation. Whatever God spoke happened. (laughs) This is the power of God's word. God speaks things into existence. And Abraham believed in a God who gives life to the dead and who creates something out of nothing. Hey, there's nothing that my God can't do. God is a God of resurrection, and God is a God of creation. These are impossible things for mankind. Impossible. But our God's able. (laughs) He's limitless. God specializes in the impossible. Matthew 19 and verse 26 says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. (laughs) We serve a great God. And there's nothing too hard for him. Listen to what Jeremiah said in chapter 32 and verse 27. Look, look, I am the Lord, the God over every creature. Is anything too difficult for me? And the answer from God's people is no. Nothing is too difficult for God. And the first thing we want to do when everything looks hopeless is remember what God can do. Don't dwell on what you cannot do. Don't do that. Dwell on what God can do. Don't dwell on the situation. Don't fixate on your circumstance. Don't look at what you can't solve. Instead of panicking, focus on God. Abraham believed in hope based on the word, on the word that God had spoken Look at it again in Romans 4 and verse 18. He believed, he believed, hoping against hope. What a phrase. What a phrase. I'll do my best to break that down in just a minute. I won't won't do it justice. Hoping against hope. So that he became the father of many nations according, here it is, this is the kicker, this is the key, this is the underline, this is the highlight, this is it. According to what had been spoken. God said it. And so he was able to hope against 
hope. Listen, church family, I'm going to be honest with you. In human terms, the hope of the world, when, when he went to the doctor and said, Hey, doc, I'm 99. My wife's 90. We're just letting you know we're going to need a, a doctor because she's going to get pregnant and have a baby. What do you think that doctor looked at Abraham and, and what would he have looked at Abraham and said? Here are the chances. Yeah, yeah, right. Here are the chances. Here's your percentage of chances. Zero. Zero. Listen, you today may have a problem that if you share it with anybody, they're going to laugh and say, zero chance. That ain't going to happen. Sorry. That's just, they're too far gone. The situation is too bad. You, 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 that, that is, listen, give up on that. Stop praying. Stop asking. Stop believing. In human terms, the chances are zero. The doctors would say, Abraham, you're 99, your wife is 90, you're past the age of childbearing, give it up. But Abe had the word of God. Abe had heard God speak a promise, and that gave him hope. He was hoping in God's word against the hope of frail, meager, human Hope, hope in God against the hope of man. You see, when you hope in God against the frail, meager, human hope of man, you can do it. You can hope against that hope. That's why hope in God should be our lifeline. What do you do when everything seems hopeless? You hold on to hope. Hope in God when you don't have anything else to hold on to. Grab hope of the rope of hope. Abraham grabbed hold of hope in God. And he remembered what God can do. When I think about my life and my family, just me personally. When I think about my family. And I look back on what God has done to raise my wife from the dead. I mean, no hope She was gone. She weighed 88 pounds. Her body was riddled with infection. Pus coming from all kinds of places. Sorry for being so graphic. I just want you to know her body was stinking. I mean, she was gone. It was over. But God raised her up. When I think about raising five kids and all the the times when I thought, what's going to happen with this one? Oh my goodness, that, that, oh my, how is this going to work out? I don't know. I've got to pray. I've got to seek God. I've got to believe, but it doesn't look good. But hoping against hope and believing in God, they're all in church today. I don't, I don't really have an answer. I don't know how it happened apart from the grace of God. And just believing that if you'll trust God with your kids, he'll raise them up to love him. When I look at our church and I think of the times when it looked hopeless, it looked bankrupt, it looked over, the college down to 30 students and no accreditation, and how is this going to happen? This college is over, it's done, it's finished. How are we going to keep these buildings? We can't afford them. How are we going to keep the Christian school going? It's, It's hopeless. And I look at what God has done, and I stand here today amazed at a God who can do the impossible He's limitless. He is able. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, his grace, he has saved us from ourselves. 
God has done amazing things. Listen, when things look hopeless, I have found as a pastor in 31 years that it's easy to make life-destructive decisions. I've seen people choose destructive behavior when everything looks hopeless. I, I, I believe in medicinal help from doctors. I believe that there are things that doctors can do when we go to see them. They give us a prescription, and, and I'm convinced that there are times under a doctor's care where there can be a prescription that is needed that can help us that maybe even in a way God has provided, and I'm for that. Please do not hear me this morning and, and, and take this wrong. But I'm also convinced that there are many today in our society, in our community, in Hot Springs and Garland County that are choosing drugs and that self-destructive behavior as a way to cope with their problems. Marijuana being the main one. I said what I said earlier to make sure everybody knows the spirit in which I'm saying this is not an attack on anyone's prescription at all. It's just simply saying we choose things because we can't seem to cope. Everything looks hopeless. I'll turn to this drug or I'll turn to alcohol. It just calms me down in the evenings, just a glass. And then that glass turns into another glass. And then one night it just, I don't know, I had a little too much. But I had to go home, so I drove home. Got a DWI. And then it got more hopeless. Self-destructive behavior. Lust. Sex has become a lifeline for people. And I'm not talking about within the confines of marriage either. That's godly. But so much of what's happening today in our society is, is our flesh seeks to be relieved of its hopelessness. And so we turn to entertainment. We turn to other things. And what does it do, church? Let's just be honest. It takes us farther down. Make your hope in God, your lifeline. Listen, my wife and I have discussed this on multiple occasions. Don't even make your spouse your lifeline. It's not fair to Carol Ann for, for me to make her my lifeline. It's not fair to me for Carol Ann to say, honey, you're my hope. You're my anchor. You're my everything. I can't be that to her. Don't ask another human being to be what a human being is not capable of being. We should love our spouses deeply and we should give them encouragement and gain strength from the relationship. But to make your spouse your whole lifeline is asking a human being to do what they simply can't do. Remember what God can do. Psalm chapter 121 and verse 1, I will lift up my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where my help comes from. Hot Springs has some pretty decent mountains, right? I mean, decent. Not bad. But if you've ever been to the Rocky Mountains, it's a different story. When you've seen the grandeur of those rocky mountains or those, ama those amazing peaks. and oh, it's, it's awesome. It's mind-boggling. It's so amazing. And here's what I'm bringing you today from Psalm chapter 121. Is that Jesus, that the word of God is saying here. That the God who made every mountain, the rocky mountains, the grandeur of those. is the same God that cares for you. 
He loves you. He knows your problems. He wants to give you strength in every circumstance. Where does your help come from? It comes from God. The same God who made the heavens and the same God who made the earth wants to be a part of your life. Wow. Anybody kind of taken back by that? He's limitless. He's able. I have hope when I think about God's love. I have hope when I think about God's mercy. I have hope when I think about God's goodness. I have hope when I think about God's greatness. When I drive to a filling station to put some fuel in my car, I just pull up. Pull up in front of that. I mean, we did it a couple of days ago, honey. Got the Kroger discounts. He's real big on that, you know. Text everybody. 35 gallons. I need everybody there. We all drive to Kroger. She puts the code in. We get the little discount because we spent $2 million in groceries that week. <laughs> Two cents off a gallon. Hit, whatever. <laughs> we pull up. She puts the fuel in there. and uh, the, 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 What is it? Hose. <laughs> Pump. Whatever. <laughs> and I fully expect gas to come out of that hose. I mean, I'm, I'm fully convinced that when I go to a gas station, I'm getting me some gas. When I go to Dunkin' Donuts, oh yeah, I'm craving me some coffee. I'll pull up to that Dunkin' Donuts and I pull up to the drive-thru window and I'm fully convinced that if I order coffee, I'm getting coffee. It's Dunkin' Donuts. And when I go to God and I ask for some hope, I'm fully convinced that the God of love, that the God of hope is going to give me hope. I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully convinced that God, that's who God is. God is love. God is hope. God provides that. Step one, focus on what God can do, not on what you can't do. Step two, refocus beyond the circumstance. You've got to look beyond your circumstances. Look again at the text. Romans chapter 4 in verse 18. It says, he believed, hoping against hope, so that he became the father of many nations according to what had been spoken. So will your descendants be. Abraham refocused his faith on what God had said. He had spoken, so will your descendants be. He refocused On what God had said. He doesn't deny the facts. He just faces them with faith. By the way, just in case anyone here is wondering about your hopeless situation. Look, pastor, the problem with your approach to this is you're asking me to deny reality. No, I'm not. That's not it at all. Abraham didn't do that either. Abraham does not ignore reality. Abraham does not pretend he doesn't have a problem. Faith is not denial. Faith is facing the facts in your life without being discouraged by them. That's faith. I get it. It's a problem. I'm 99. She's 90. It looks impossible. But I'm going to refocus beyond the circumstance and choose not to be discouraged by them. It's not that we deny the circumstances exist. 
It's that we declare that God is not shackled by them as we are. You ever heard that old gospel song? Shackled by a heavy burden. Neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus. We sang it this morning. Just one touch. I mean, the tune's a lot better than that one. I get it. (laughs) Just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. It's not denying the problem. Make your, maybe you're in a situation right now where you need a miracle. You brought a problem into the service. The reality is it feels hopeless and you need a miracle. Here's my advice. Don't ignore the problem. Rather believe that in spite of the contradictory evidence that God will work it out. Amen. God's got this. It's true. The issue is what do you have your eyes on? What are you focused on? Your circumstance or your God? Again, Romans 4, 19. He did not weaken in faith. This is so powerful. If you start thinking about all of the natural conditions of what so-and-so said, you will become weak in faith. I can assure you, this is true about my life more than anything else. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a naysayer come to me on this journey of faith that I've been on as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as whatever, so many people speak negativity into your life. It can't be done. That's ridiculous. I remember starting this church. Remember the old story? Some of you do, some of you don't. The pastor that pulls up, what are you guys doing? Hey, we're starting a church. This is a stupid idea. Remember that? If you, if you don't remember, basically said, I said, why is it stupid? He said, three reasons. One, This city doesn't need another church. We have enough. Two, this is the worst neighborhood in the entire city. And three, why would you build a church in the shadow of that giant? And they pointed across the street to the building we're in. And said, this is stupid. Now, honestly, he was kind of right. (laughs) I mean, what are the chances of a church making it across the street from a drug house? What are the chances of a church making it in a town that has a lot of churches? What are the chances of a church making it when it's next door to the largest church in town? I mean, he was probably right. I mean, humanly speaking, it looked like zero chance. But God had spoken. I left California, drove all the way to Arkansas to plant a church because God said to do it, not because it made sense. If you listen to all the naysayers, if you listen to what so-and-so has to say, You will become weak in your faith. But Abraham believed. He didn't listen to what the cynics would say. He didn't allow the obstacles that were in front of him to stop him from believing God. He looked beyond the circumstances. Why? Because our God is able. Let me tell you when you know that hope is dying inside of you. When you start saying the word Never. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have a baby. I'm never going to go to the mission field. I'm never going to be happy again. It's never going to change. Pastor Capaci is never going to preach a short message. There's hope, church. There is hope. So what do you do when hope is dying inside? Number one. You remember what God can do. Number two, you refocus beyond the circumstances. Look, don't look inward. You'll be disgusted. Don't look at others. You'll be disappointed. 
Don't look backward, you'll be defeated. Don't look at circumstances, you'll be disheartened. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. You'll be delighted. Here's the question. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? What or who are you focusing on? Number three. Recall what God has said. You got to stop and take a time out and say, wait a minute, what did God say? Because nothing is more reliable than the promises of God. Nothing. Uh, did you hear what I said? Nothing. You say, well, pastor, what about your promise? I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on any man's promise. We're all going to fail. We're all going to exaggerate. We're all going to fall short. Uh, I, 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 I can't, I, I've not kept all my promises. I can assure you I'm not God, but you can rely on God. Amen. I know I love, I love, look, I love the new songs, but every now and then I like to resurrect an old one. Is that okay? Hey, if you know this, sing it with me. I know, the, I, know, I know the tune's wacky, but sing it anyway. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the stormy storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Here's the chorus. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing. Here's why we don't sing this anymore. You ready? Here's why we don't. Standing. That's why we don't sing this anymore because we, they're, they're, they're goofy sounding, aren't they? But they, the, the words are great. I'm standing on the promises of God. And we old people stand up, don't we? Amen. I love it. Isn't that great? You know, whatever now and then, it's just good to sing an old song and remember, hey, when I was a kid, I, some of you uh, younger ones that are holding on to these newer songs, when I was a kid, that was it. I was a 15-year-old kid looking at the, well, I didn't look at the screen, but I looked at my songbook, and I sang that song, and I thought, man, I've got the promises of God. Amen. We can stand on those promises. We can believe that the Word of God has said it, and we can believe it. And you know, if you remember in this story, and you got to go back, and man, there's so, like I said, 10 chapters in Genesis, right? When you go back to when the promise was originally given, guess how old Abe really was? He was 75. He was 75 when the promise was first given. His wife was about 65, Sarah. Still kind of old, wouldn't you say? Well, by 85, 86-ish, she's still not pregnant. And it's crazy what we'll do when we get impatient with the promise and we come up with our own plan. Hey, Abe, it ain't working out. Go take my, hand, my, my handmaiden, go, go, go get her, see if you can get her pregnant. He goes into Hagar. They have Ishmael. Here's the problem. That wasn't the promise. That wasn't the promise. Listen, when we get impatient and lose hope, we come up with the craziest plans. I'll just take my life. 
I'll just kill myself. That's not God's plan. God doesn't want you to do that. God's got a better plan. He's got a promise for you. I'll just move. I'll just go somewhere else. Hey, where's so-and-so? Oh, they left. They're gone. They moved. What happened? I, I, I don't know. They just, they lost hope and left. We do the craziest things. Don't follow your crazy plan. Make God's promise your plan. Where do you find God's promises? Where do you find them? (laughs) There's 7,000 right here. 7,000 promises. Not bad, right? You find God's promises right here in God's word. And when you find that promise, you hold on to it. Because if God is making the promise, you can be sure he's going to keep it. And look at the second part of the verse, Romans 4.20. By the way, this is when Thanksgiving, this is my Thanksgiving message for you four days from Thanksgiving. Are you ready? It's in the text. Romans 4.20, it says this. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Time out. Wait a minute. Look at it. He didn't waver in unbelief. You know what to waver means? Waver is to be unstable. To waver is to stagger. To waver is to doubt. But faith makes us strong in our walk of life. And so all the time that Abraham was waiting on the promise to be fulfilled, he was doing what? He was giving glory to God. The entire time that Abraham was waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, he was thanking God because the highest form of faith in God is gratitude. It's thanksgiving. When you thank God for something after it happens, that's gratitude. But when you thank God for something before it happens, that's faith. Maybe we should try that this morning. Maybe we should bring something to God that hasn't happened yet, but we're believing God to do it. Or we're believing God to do what's best, and we believe that we can thank God in advance. You say, well, pastor, wait a minute. It hasn't happened. I know. But the greatest form of thanksgiving is to thank God before it happens. To praise God and thank God and give him glory for the fact that your prodigal son's coming home. Amen? To thank God and give glory to God because you believe that God's going to save that lost soul in your family. I wonder this morning if during our response time, if God moved on our congregation in such a way that we began to claim by faith the promises of God even before they happen. Faith brings glory to God. And when we start to thank God and give glory to God before we ever receive the blessing, you know what that does? That strengthens our faith. And then finally, step four. Rely on God to do what he says. You ever heard this? If God said it, then you can believe it. Amen? you got to rely on God to do what he says. Romans 4.21 says this. Because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. He didn't know how God was going to come through. He just expected God to come through. 
He didn't have any idea how it was going to happen. He just believed. Our responsibility, church family, is to believe. To believe and hope against hope. And remember what God can do. To be strong in faith. And to refocus beyond the circumstance. To don't waver in unbelief. To recall in what God has already said. Our responsibility is to be fully convinced that God is able. And to rely on God to do what he said. God's responsibility is to do it. Not yours. We don't have to figure out how God is going to do it. Because if God said it, he's going to do it. Be fully convinced. Be fully persuaded that what God said will happen. Hey, listen, when we believe something, we act on it. If I were to tell my five-year-old grandson, MJ, MJ, when you're 16 and you get a license, I'm going to buy you a car. Do you know what my five-year-old grandson would do? He'd go to school Monday and tell every kid in the school, when I'm 16, I'm getting a brand new car. How do you know? My papa said. He hasn't seen the car. He doesn't have the keys. But he believes it. And every believer in this room, when God says it, should feel the same way. Should feel the same way. That's the God we serve. How do you know it? How do you know God's coming back? Because he said he was. How do you know he's preparing a place? Because he said he was. How do you know he makes no mistakes he can do the impossible? Because he said he could. Believe God. Be fully convinced that God is able. Oh, church family, do you believe that God has the power to do anything that needs to be done in your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe he can do what he said he would do? We have the same God that Abraham had. He is limitless. What do you need right now to see God resurrect? What do you need to see God take and give life to? Is it your marriage? Believe God. Is it your finances? Believe God. Is it your career? Believe God. Is it your home? Your health? Believe God. Some of us here today are busy. We're busy praying a prayer. Asking God to do something and we're still in the waiting room, right? We're waiting for God to answer the prayer. While you're in God's waiting room, don't weaken in faith. Don't waver in unbelief. Hope against hope that what God said he would do. He'll keep his promise. Believe. Remember. Recall. Be strong in faith. Refocus, be fully convinced that our God is able. He's limitless. This week I was 
I was given a little picture of a, a, a Charles Spurgeon quote that it just came at the right time. And when I got it, I said, I've got to show this to the church family. Faith goes up the stairs that love built and looks out the window that hope has opened. Faith, that's your part. Believe. Faith. It goes up the stairs that love built. And it opens the, and, and, and hope opens those windows so that we can see by faith what God can do. I already know from the first service as I stood in the back and hugged the neck of several of our congregants as they said, Pastor, I'm going to believe God for some things that I've been hopeless about. I've had several conversations already this morning. And I believe that God is breathing hope and speaking hope and speaking dead things to life and speaking things into existence that didn't exist in this building right now. Just one word. Just one word. Just one promise. I'm going to ask you today to trust God that whatever he does is right and good and perfect. Believe God for that. And if you need to come to the altar and just thank God in advance, what a week to do it. It's Thanksgiving week. I know it should be Thanksgiving Day every day, but this is the 1864 Thanksgiving Day that Abraham Lincoln established, and so we kind of make a big deal of it, right? And so let's, let's this week take our Thanksgiving to another level. Why don't you, what do you say we just throw up our hands and say hallelujah? Hallelujah. God, thank you. Thank you in advance for everything you're going to do. If you need to come to the altar and share that with somebody, you need to talk to a spouse or a child or a friend and share your hope with them and believe that God's going to do it. You feel liberty to do that. Father, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you, God, for the word of God. Thank you for the core values of our church. Thank you, God, that we can think bigger and expect more. Because, God, you're able to do exceedingly above and beyond anything we could ask or think. God, you're able to deliver us. God, you're able to do the impossible. Father, we don't see it. It doesn't make sense. My friends say there's zero chance. But, God, I hear a word from heaven. It doesn't agree with my human hope. That meager, frail, weak hope. God, I want to claim your promises. And believe, God, that you can do what you said you would do. So God, work, move, build our faith. And help us to open the windows of hope. On the stairs of love. By faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?